Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. My name is Les. I am your host, and I am so happy to have you joining me in this space today. Feels like we're all in this weird time of transition where things are starting to open back up, where there's a little bit more movement again, yet we're still not fully out of the space that we've been in for the past year. I don't know about you, but I've felt a little bit of overwhelm trying to start getting back in the groove of things, making more plans, feeling like there's more expected of me, more demands being made now that things are starting to feel a little bit safer than they did before. I certainly don't have all of the answers for how to navigate that, but I think it's something that a lot of us are feeling. I usually know that if I'm feeling something, you're probably feeling it too. And I'm currently navigating how to get through that with feeling really excited to start connecting with people again and to start branching out a little bit more, but also feeling still some of that pandemic burnout and just general life burnout. Even though we've been physically distant from others for the past year, there have not been any fewer demands made of any of us. In fact, the demands of us have almost felt greater than they did before because we're still working and continuing on as if nothing happened. Meanwhile, a lot of things have happened and we have all been impacted in one way or another. That brings me to today's topic of burnout. Burnout is something that is incredibly common. However, just because it's common, doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that we have to accept that feeling burnt out is our normal because it shouldn't be our normal. And I had a really insightful conversation with today's guest, Irena Sargent, who is a burnout coach and founder of Hookie Wellness, which is the first stop for burnout relief. Leveraging her 15 years in marketing and innovation, 
at Nestle and Intuit, she uniquely blends leadership coaching with design thinking, providing an approachable path to real results. A personal experience with burnout, she set a mission encouraging hustle culture to adopt the new mantra, work hard, self-care harder. Irena has coached professionals and teams across organizations, including Google, Accenture, Nestle, and Teach for America. This conversation was a mix of tactical and personal. We talked about personal experiences with burnout. We talked about tactics for overcoming it, ways that we can support one another when we see someone we care about dealing with burnout, ways we can be that village and show up for one another. It's a really important conversation, and I hope that you're able to identify some takeaways that you can apply to your everyday that can help you either overcome burnout if you are currently feeling that way, or that can help you prevent burnout even if you're not personally feeling burned out at this time. So let's jump into the interview. Arena, welcome to the podcast. It is so nice to talk to you again. Thank you. I'm really excited to connect with you. I, I follow your journeys and your story, so I love to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, I know we first connected late last year. We did an Instagram Live talking a bit about burnout. We gave just a little appetizer, but this episode I'm hoping is going to be more of the meal to follow up to that conversation. So I'm really excited to have you here. For those of you who have not met Arena yet, she is the burnout whisperer and founder of Hookie Wellness, which is an incredible platform dedicated to supporting others uh, going through burnout. And I know your work surrounding burnout has been largely inspired by your personal experiences. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background, your experiences with burnout, and what brought you to create Hookie Wellness? Absolutely. A little bit about me. I'm originally from Detroit, so very much from an early age understood that hustle harder culture and work and grind. And so no surprise, I went through academia and professional life, checking the boxes, working hard and really doing what I was taught. And so I've been really blessed that my experiences have allowed me to work in amazing companies and have experiences in brand management across Nestle and into it. So working in food and tech and and things that I love to do, uh, but also being able to build some of the world's biggest brands and meeting unmet consumer needs. And so a couple of years ago, I, about four, actually, I was blindsided by burnout. I had what was an amazing opportunity professionally turn into something that was one of my biggest life lessons. And I felt it before I knew what it was. And so when I was dealing with burnout, the first thing, the first sign was something was wrong. My story really started with me just crying at my kitchen island in front of my laptop. After weeks of ridiculous hours and things never quite being there and certain environments that I think we all get used to, but in, sometimes it flares up and it's just too aggressive. Um, and then moved on. I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't right. So maybe it's a change in the situation. And so went, got a new job, which is what most people do. It's like, okay, let's try this in a different place. Once again, amazing opportunity, great professionally, definitely stretching, got my fingers in tech. But what I was starting to recognize is underneath everything, my internal values were shifting. What was important to me was shifting. Those boxes that used to be so important to check 
were less and less important because I was at that stage of life where I say life was lifing. So mm-hmm. on top of the internal uh, battles, I had an aging, ailing father who was battling cancer. We were moving across the country multiple times as we are a dual household, very career driven. So having marriage conversations and the real stuff, as well as just the rest of life. And so that took me through the journey of burnout. And what was encouraging to me is I quickly realized I was far from alone. I always throw out the stat in a good year. There was a study from Deloitte, a burnout survey. And in 2018, 77% of the professional workforce was reporting feeling burned out. And then now in 2020, pouring gasoline on it. So where we are today is we're dealing with everyone going through burnout in their own version of it. And so I'm really excited and passionate to take the processes that I learned, understanding how to build out your support team, because it is complex. It is personal, but it doesn't mean the process to figuring out how to work through it should be just as hard. So that's what Hookie is all about. I'm building it to be the first stop for burnout relief. And honestly, to fix the problems that I had to deal with when I was going through my experience. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I know that that's like a very cliff notes version of your story. There's a couple things there that I would love to, to revisit and talk more about. The first being that you said you realized you were far from alone, which is such an important realization because sometimes when we're really deep in it and we feel like we have all of this responsibility, kind of the weight of the world on our shoulders, it can, it can be easy to feel alone. Mm-hmm. And having that solidarity with other people, understanding that other people are going through what you're going through can be really, really comforting in that moment. Absolutely. And one of the the symptoms or signs of burnout or or things it causes you to do is to pull away Mm -hmm. and to become more isolated. And so it's very easy to feel alone if you are actually alone, which is this environment. And then you're in your head having negative reinforcing thoughts of this is just you. So you really don't talk about it to connect and recognize you're not alone. I've been very lucky where I have real conversations with people. Uh, I get deep real fast. Mm -hmm. And so with that and understanding, we all have some version of something. And so the more we recognize it, the more we can figure out what are real solutions where we can work together because things are not going back to where they were. So how do we deal with ambiguity? How do we deal with changes and what's important in your personal life? How do you balance that with what's important to you and professionally? So yeah, it being, being far from alone was really comforting because not only did I feel the community figuring it out, but there's a community of those who've gone through it and have gotten to the other side and have their new behaviors and processes in place. Absolutely. And that was the second thing that I really wanted to touch on that I love that you take a very process-oriented approach, which is really, really important because sometimes burnout and overwhelm can come in seasons. If you have a season of life where there's a whole lot going on, maybe you don't make any changes and you kind of get through it and then you think, okay, cool, now that's better. But then the next time it happens again you know, what do you do? You can't always necessarily, you know, dig in and just get through it, which is what I think a lot of us are accustomed to doing. So can we talk a little bit about some of the the processes and tools that we can use when we find ourselves facing burnout? 
Absolutely. And I'm glad you picked up on that because I'm very much a type A MBA, like give me a framework, (laughs) give me a process, I'll figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. And so when I was dealing with burnout, my first step was, okay, I knew there was something to therapy. So I started to go down the process to get a therapist. Uh, That process was trash, but (laughs) I was able to figure it out after, after a lot of headache. But along that line, there was a lot of internal reflection of like, what is this? And so with my background in brand management and innovation, I am used to building brands and products. And so the first step to that, especially in a design thinking led process, is who are you creating a solution for? Mm -hmm. What matters to them? What is the problem you're solving? And so I did that same process to myself. I have my notebook and I was like, project me. And I did a deep dive. What do I like? What don't I like? What would I love if? And really just dissecting it into the frameworks and buckets. Because when you break a big, complex problem apart, you can start to fill in the gaps. And so that was very much the process I did and what I do now. And so whenever I do a speaking engagement, you'll see I always like to bring in the marketing really quippy statements of like, navigating burnout. So here's a path and a plan. Or uh, I have created a SI framework, which is everyone needs to SI. And so using each letter of it uh, and bringing it out, it just makes it a lot easier to digest because what you're going through and what you're about to work on is complex enough. So how can we make one thing a little bit easier in that process? I don't know what it is about our world, but we seem to like making the process to get to support or to the journey harder than it needs to be. So just trying to simplify it because we got a lot on our minds right now. Absolutely. What I really appreciate about what you just shared too and taking a process-oriented approach is it almost kind of takes some of the emotion out of it. And I don't mean that in a sense of, you know, we need to be emotionless because oftentimes when we're dealing with things that burn us out, there is a lot of emotion happening. But when we can kind of take emotion or or not let our emotions get in the way of finding a solution. That's why I think your approach with using processes and approaching it from a problem-solving perspective is so effective. Well, thank you. I I love that you caught that and call that out because it can be looked at both ways as a negative and a positive. And what I find is exactly that. It allows you to sort through the madness a little bit easier because one, a large group of people are just dealing with their emotions for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so not only is it a different emotion, but you don't have the language. And so that blurs what's going on underneath and makes it even more complex to start figuring it out. And so it's how can we leverage and recognize our emotions and feelings, but also recognize what they're anchored on. Why do they exist? And once you start getting that, I'm I'm always like, that is great fodder for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> your therapist. Exactly. I'm like, oh, that seems rich. I think your therapist would love to help you with that. Yeah. And that I found is a great partnership because for a lot of the people who are newer to therapy and especially the type A's, they're like, no, tell me what to do. Like, mm-hmm. tell me what to do. I hear so many of my clients and friends and peers coming back like, yeah, therapy. I mean, they're, we're just talking. And so it's a matter of putting some structure so you can feel progress and like some celebration because it is a journey. There is no definitive timeline, but how can you feel like you're making that progress and being able to recognize it and celebrate it, which sometimes is all you need to keep going. 
Absolutely. I love that you mentioned some of the pre-work for therapy and kind of understanding what it is you need to talk to your therapist about. It reminds me of Insecure a few seasons back when Molly first started going to therapy and her life was a mess and she was talking to her therapist like, it's fine, works Mm -hmm. fine, everything's fine, knowing that all of that stuff was a mess. Mm -hmm. And I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't do the pre-work or the pre-thinking about what is it that I really need to use this tool for. So that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, I've had many of those sessions with my therapist where you're just like, hey, girl, you're just staring at each other. (laughs) Like, oh, wait, we're we're paying for this. Yes. Let's make use of it. So now I have in my notebook just thoughts that come to mind or connections that I, I think about. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know what this was, but it sat with me. So let's dig in. Let's let's start there. I'd like to be focused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an agenda objectives girl. Like, what are we here for? What are our learning objectives? And so what are some of those pieces that we can bring in? Because you cannot structure it all, but you still want to feel like you're making progress and are focused and are using your time most efficiently and effectively. Absolutely. We are to get to the world, exactly. we all have worked <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So circling back a bit to your experience, when you were in that season, it sounded like you were experiencing burnout from every angle. You had work, you had family, you had, you know, personal relationships. So as you started to recognize, okay, I'm in a place of burnout and I'm taking these steps to work through it. What were some of the first things you did on that journey? Absolutely. So I have to be honest, I still do not recall how I came across burnout. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I discovered it. But once I discovered it, I was like, yep, that's it. And going down the process of confirmation uh, with my therapist. But when I felt it the first time, I just felt like I was in a bad work environment, Mm -hmm. which is often what gets the complete blame. Often. And then it bears its brunt of it, uh, especially some of these work environments, like there are six core drivers of workplace burnout, things that an organization can control, everything ranging from workload to fairness um, to control. Those are the things that a workplace can deal with. But also a burnout is a matter of what is your perception of the world? How do you deal when conflict comes? What else is going on in your life? What else is going on in the world? Uh, The way I like to talk about it, especially with Black women, is we're used to juggling a lot of balls. We're just used to it. And we're used to juggling balls while people are shooting arrows or or fire. But where we are now, and especially in this past world, is all of the above, plus an earthquake, plus a tornado, plus the house is on fire. Some of these balls have spikes. And (laughs) people are wondering, oh, why can't I keep doing it all? And so it's it, it, it is a matter, a large part is recognizing what is the current situation that you are within. And then I always say, give yourself space and grace because you, you mentioned it earlier. These are cycles and sometimes you can do the most, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't be doing the most all the time. So how are you filling that cup up? So starting to assess what's going on in, in your, in your world and in your life. And in this current situation is a really good place to start. If you're feeling off, usually your body is telling you what's going on and you feel it even when you don't want to put words to it. So um, I can do a quick pause of how to start to see burnout in your life. So the early stages and what a lot of people talk about is exhaustion. That's one of the first warning flags is you're progressively exhausted. So besides the fact of just saying, oh, I'm tired. No, you're like 
tired. And that can go all the way to you can't drag yourself out of the bed type tired and exhaustion. So if that's getting progressively worse, if that is different, um, starting to have changes in uh, or neglecting some of your your personal needs. So eating, um, like things that you do socially as outlets, starting to put those things on the back burner and especially focusing more on just work. That makes it really easy right now when there's no line between work and home. So being aware of that. But the thing people we don't talk enough about is that burnout has multiple stages. That's the beginning. It can get quite intense and severe and start to open doors to other mental health challenges that may have been compartmentalized, suppressed because you had coping mechanisms, which now are gone. So as things start to get into a place where you are feeling more and more detached from things that were important to you, that's a more intense flag, something to pay attention to. If you find yourself doubling down on coping mechanisms or what is called false cures in the real world, alcohol, cannabis, all the vices, Mm -hmm. if you're doing more than you usually do, pay attention to that. That could be a sign that it's suppressing something else. Cynicism is another really big one of how it shows up in the workforce. If you find that everybody sucks around you, no one can do their job ever, that's usually a sign something might be going on. And usually you feel it inside, like you're, you're not as happy. And then Another big one is uh, it can start to show up as like acute depression, which isn't as clinical. And the difference between it is there are things that can bring you joy. So people will often overlook acute depression because they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm fine here. But if it's very few and far between, those are signs. Like those later warning flags are signs of like, go talk to a therapist. These are reversible. That is the thing about burnout. It is reversible. It just requires some work. And so the earlier or more preventative you are about it, the less difficult some of the work is because you'll be growing along with this journey rather than fighting it at some points. Absolutely. And I would love to, I want to kind of put a bookmark in the preventative portion because I want to come back to that. But I also want to talk a bit about just burnout and the way that it has probably changed and transformed over the past year specifically. Like you shared that that stat of in 2018 or 2019, 77% of professionals felt burnt out pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, like you said, I mean, we're adding, you know, the spikes and the tornadoes and <laughs> all of these extra factors. With us having so much more that we're burned out from, do you think it's going to be not necessarily more difficult, but do you think we're going to need an entirely different set of tools to work through what we're going through currently? That is a great question. I wouldn't say necessarily we need a complete set of new tools. Mm -hmm. I think the challenge is we don't know how to use the tools that we already have. Mm -hmm. We don't know what tools are in our toolkit. And it's just an arduous journey to use the, everything is a difficult, incredible journey. Yeah. That's a large part of it. So first, we need to understand what we have and learn how to use it and learn what we're using it against. So the education is a huge piece and understanding. So when it comes to additional tools, I think it will be a matter of, for me, the perspective is first, there's a matter of the process and understanding and reducing the stigma and shame. One of the biggest barriers to actually doing something about it is the stigma, is the shame, is the denial. The denial is a big one because right now the discussion around burnout is it is personal failure. I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've had it 
with myself of like, mm-hmm. oh, if this, then that. Burnout is a situational thing. It is a sign of something is wrong in your situation. Not necessarily something is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. Yeah. What can you change around you? It might be a matter of your perception. It might be a matter of how you are acting within a situation or how things are acting towards you, but you, you're good. We all have things. And so that is a big one. And I, I, another set I always like to throw out is self-awareness and denial go hand in hand. And it's most people think like 75, 80% of the world is self-aware. It's like 10 to 15%. Yeah. And so it is so much unnecessary pressure. We put on ourselves to be perfect when nobody is. And so if we can start getting over over some of those real hurdles, which I think that the current environment is forcing us to do Mm -hmm. as it's forced us to go inside both literally and figuratively, that unlocks a lot of doors to asking questions, to recognizing when things aren't quite working instead of feeling tethered or that you have no other choice. So I think that, well, I know that the past year has been more challenging than I don't even think there's a right word for it, but there, I am one of those people that also recognize the opportunity within, but it is up to us to capture it and do something about it. Mm. We are at this point of so much change and it can be so fearful and frightening. I'm right there with you, but there's also opportunity to do something different. Like I have never seen so many opportunities of people just being pissed and be like, Nope, we're going to change that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because something has to change. We're creating new routines. We're creating new behaviors. We're creating new cultures. So why not create the ones we want? Ooh, yes. I love that. That's just such a, a dope perspective to have and something that I haven't haven't investigated kind of internally or externally or, or thought about as much before, but I really appreciate you kind of planting that seed for me just now. <laughs> Thank you. That is a part of my past journey. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Therapist would be proud. My husband. How I got there the past few months have really been a journey of trusting self, mm-hmm. and that's one of the first things to go once you get in burnout is you stop trusting yourself. Which, especially if you are used to doing so, is one of the most unsettling things because you don't know yourself in a sense. Um, and so, I'm now in entrepreneurship, which is the space where you do what you want, right? And I have had a background in like innovation, which are usually the rule breakers. I'm always that one. But it has been so eye-opening how many hurdles and barriers and limits I put on myself unknowingly. Yeah, And it's just by the environment you've been conditioned and the world is telling you, you can't and you should, and this is how it should be. And it really took, there was a conversation with my husband, I was talking about uh, should this be direct to consumer or enterprise? Or I was like, but B2B companies are lame. And he was like, we'll make a lame company. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can do that? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. And it's simple things like that of just mm-hmm. being like, oh, wait, why did I, why did I think that? Like, mm-hmm. what is it grounded on is what I've been saying a lot. Like, what is this assumption grounded on? And I've been lucky enough to have people around me push me and nudge me. So Surround yourself with people who are going to push you, who will make you better, that can understand and provide radical candor. Like, you don't want people to just be jerks and just be like the devil's advocate. We are not in the mood for that, but we are here for the friends that make you better. And so that I think is, well, I know is a very big piece of the burnout journey, like surrounding yourself with people who love you. 
and what I call build your burnout battle team, which we could talk about that one too. Yeah. Let's talk about your burnout battle team. I think that's something super important because there's just so many different directions that, that friendships and partnerships and relationships can go, whether it is people who enable burnout and pile everything on one person or just there's so many different directions that that can go. So I would love to talk about your burnout battle team and what that looks like. Absolutely. I think the ones you're talking about, I call accelerators. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The people to stay away from and the things to stay away from. Uh, So burnout battle team, I jokingly say, this is your, this is your squad to help you keep your shit together Mm -hmm. uh, that we all need. Cause we talk a lot about it in a professional sense. Everyone's like, Oh, have your board of directors or yada, yada. But in your well being and just self-care, like who's there to help. And so the burnout battle team is a combination of experts as well as your just personal support team. So some core seats, uh, your mental therapist. So that is your guide to help you go inside, understand your feelings, your behaviors, what drives you, how'd you get here, really going deep and looking in the past. They are guided support that get paid to listen to you. They know what they're talking about. Also with that, please be very kind to your therapist because they are very stressed out right now because everyone is all of a sudden recognizing the power of therapy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So be kind to your therapist because they're doing the good work. But that's seat one. Also, if you're looking at what's the next chapter, we're all forward thinking, a career coach, a professional coach, another one to really help you put a guided plan in place of like, what do I want to be when I grow up for the next couple of years? And then you go back and plan another chapter and another chapter. What's amazing, especially in this day and age, you can build what you want, like try what you want to try. This is a new behavior. This is a new habit. It requires you to understand your skill set and what's transferable. And so a coach can help you get prepared for that next chapter. And then the next one is the more fun pillar, which is your wellness guide or guru. Um, You have to have fun. And so when it comes to burnout, you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And so however you do your self-care, whatever part of wellness you choose to play in, having a guide or guru that you can you can follow. This could be as simple as what I do, which is Yatunde on Peloton. Like <laughs> he will be my guru right now. <laughs> but if you have a yoga teacher, like that is your guide. Who whose classes are you going to? Do you want to learn a hobby? Maybe it's just someone who's really good at gardening. It could be as simple as like following an influencer and doing the the task and practice that they do all the way to signing up for a class and having a private coach, something in wellness that allows you to do and experience a part of life that isn't work. So that's the wellness. And then on the personal side, you have what I call your hype man or hype woman. So this is your person you can call when you're down. I'm like, everybody needs a hype man. Like we are at a rap concert. So (laughs) you can call and be like, I just need a 45 second hype session, please. Yeah. Like I just had a bad meeting or I'm about to go into a meeting and I need to feel like the boss, like having that hype man or woman that can just pick you up when you're down and get you back on your way is invaluable. And then the last one is your rock. This is the radical candor person that is not going to have you out there looking like you don't have friends. <laughs> so you might need this yes. in personal and the professional life. Mm-hmm. That's something I've started to notice, especially if you are dealing with burnout or you think you are having that rock in the workplace that will be like, Hey girl. So that presentation, 
yeah, you want to practice next time? Mm-hmm. Or if you want to run something by me, like, cause when you start, if you're in the more intense stages of burnout, what is often overlooked is it truly can impact your cognitive ability. Yeah. It can make your brain so fuzzy that things are not clear. And so having that rock in the workplace can be like an accountability buddy. If you are like me and your way your bank account set up, you're not just quitting your job and going to Bali. Like people tend to make it seem like you could do. So making sure you're staying on your P's and Q's, you're performing as you need while also taking care of yourself. So the burnout battle team, your therapist, your coach, your wellness guide guru, your hype man or woman, and your rock. I'm so blown away (laughs) in the best way. I probably have about half of that assembled currently, but I love that framework. Love that framework. And especially love the the radical candor person in personal and at work. Like that is major. Yeah. If you're lucky to get that, definitely build that team. And if you haven't already built a relationship like that and you have someone that you're like, hmm, I wonder, have that conversation. Everyone's dealing with burnout. Everyone would love to have someone's back. It is a matter of getting ahead of things before it's a problem. Yeah. Because we don't know what's going on in the world. We don't know how to navigate. And especially there's no hallway talk anymore. So it's also like a matter of having your back in the workplace. For sure. And also being that person for other people. I mean, I would love to also talk about ways that, you know, if we spot signs of burnout in our loved ones, in our community, in our friends, um, also making sure that we're, you know, serving those roles for others too, so that we can all give and receive is a big part of it. Absolutely. We are not going to get through this as uh, alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I jokingly say, be ready to tuck in someone's tag. Yeah. If you see it, mm-hmm. just tuck that tag in. And what that can be is if there's someone that you know that has not taken any time for themselves, but every time you talk to them, they're saying they're tired or need a break, help them take that time. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be that crazy. It's a matter of, oh, maybe you shoot them a text a couple weeks later and say, hey, did you take that time off or did you book it? Just a quick check-in. One thing that I am very big on is scheduling. If it's on my calendar, it happens. So when I have people that are like, oh, I'm going to or I should or whatnot, whether it's taking time off or the other day, I was at someone's house randomly talking about, oh, I need to schedule a therapy appointment. Put it on your calendar. When Mm -hmm. are you going to call? Like in that moment, put it on your calendar and then you can get to the next step of doing it. And so helping someone like just take that first step could be major and huge. And if you needed it yourself, take it together. You're well aware of hooky day. And I am all about like taking hooky day with someone. We all need it. Everybody wants to, to cancel those meetings. Why don't we just do it? So taking things together, relieving unnecessary stress in the workplace is another big one or in life. So that can be as simple as canceling that meeting that no one wanted to be on and flipping it into an email. We Mm -hmm. all joke that this should have been an email. So make it an email. If you can make it Mm -hmm. an email, not requiring people to be on video occasionally, simple things, Um, encouraging people to take their time off and respecting their time off when they're on it. Those are small ways to help others that are often overlooked. And another one is if you are dealing with burnout or you're dealing with your version of life pressure or life lifing, there is a balance of like making sure that you can create your boundaries in the workplace, but also not just passing your stress along. Yeah. 
And Absolutely. so you can put the awareness, but it, it can protect you and them because no one has a ton of space. And so it's a matter of, hey, I don't have as much bandwidth this week. So this is how things change. And these are expectations rather than using it as therapy sessions. So there's a happy medium of managing it and respecting people and people respecting you and your boundaries in the workplace that we can get to. It is a new language. It is a new vocabulary. So start to test it out, create the space within your teams. And then as we start to create those cultures, it can bubble out from there. But even if it's just one relationship that you have with a core team member that you work with, start there. Just start. I don't know about you, but I don't think things are going to get clearer (laughs) in a week or so. (laughs) No, no. And that's such a good point. And something I've been thinking about a lot lately, I over the past six months have made the transition in my career, my other job uh, from individual contributor to manager. And so becoming a manager during this season of just a lot of things being very abnormal and wanting to support my team, it's been really interesting. And at first I found myself, you know, telling my team, Oh, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're taking time off. And I soon realized what does that mean for people? So now I'm saying things like, hey, I can move that deadline to next week if you need to take, fr-. like very specific creating that space for people, which is a, a bit of a difference when you're approaching it as a leader of being really explicit of here's how I can support you in taking what you need, not just saying take care of yourself and then <laughs> them still feeling like they don't have the tools to do it. So really empowering and enabling the people that you're supporting to really have the tools to take the space they need. That is amazing. And congratulations on Thank your new you. role. Thank um, you. That is a feat in the middle of the pandemic, but the opportunity is you get to create the new culture, which this team is lucky. Um, but you're absolutely right. Those are those everyday workplace behaviors of how you can support the number one thing people do is say, take a time off, take a day off, take a day off. Uh, that scratches the surface, but it is about how do we reduce the workload or how do we rebalance? How do we delegate? How do we think more effectively and efficiently about what's on your plate? And so the I love these conversations, but at the same time, it, it saddens me because it's one more thing for people managers to do. Mm-hmm. It's already hard for people managers there's hardly any training. It's like, congratulations, you have another bigger job and more people you're responsible (laughs) for (laughs) and you might get some support. So those are some practical ways, but uh, this is where I get impassioned because my heart is really with helping where helping the people that do the work because it's just one more thing. And so for the people managers who are all about team culture, it is challenging. It is how do I navigate? I don't know how my benefits work. So let alone, I can't tell you. Um, So really coming in, bringing some clarity, but those everyday behaviors and giving your team the empowerment and the autonomy to practice the agency, to take care of their well-being and to understand what the expectations are for them on delivery and just having that transparency, that is a great place to start and to create new behaviors that can get us into a better place. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's so important because also what this time has shown us is just so many of our systems and ways of doing things don't work and we need to change them. And so for those of us who even have just the smallest bit of, you know, agency, even if it's just of our teams that we oversee, if we can create a change in behavior there, a change in expectation there, 
that goes a long way and it makes a difference. And, and now is the perfect time to make those changes. Absolutely. Creating the space for the conversation and just being clear with the team, like, I don't know all the answers. Because mm-hmm. honestly, no one does. The experts don't have the answers. No one has the answers. This is stuff for history books that people will be studying for years to come. Yeah. There is no final right answer. And so just putting that on the table with the team and saying, but you know what, we're going to create something that works for us. Yes. And that's a great place to start because the team feels bought in. They have some power in creating these norms and you can start to understand and assess what are the biggest pressure points that are worth your time to focus on. Because maybe your team is a matter of hey, when we if, when they do take time off, but you're a manager that sends emails while they're off, maybe that's the big thing. And you find that out and it's like, oh, I just want to send you an email during that time. Mm-hmm. Team feels heard. One piece of pressure off the plate. There's 50 more to balance, but at least it's one piece, one, one element of pressure. And so starting to have that conversation with your team is really big. And then illustrating the behavior yourself. Yes. So I, I always like to tell managers, understand you're working hard, but if even if you cannot abide by the rules, fake it till you make it. And what do I mean? If you cannot stop working on your vacation, don't broadcast it to your team. As in, <laughs> send the emails when you're back in the office yeah. or one day, one day. Also, after hours, if you work super late and you right now have challenges creating your boundaries, don't pass that stress along. Have it set up so the emails go out in the morning. Just auto send them. And so it's things like that where even if you are working on your habits and behaviors, because we all are, how can you not pass along that pressure and stress that can trigger someone to thinking they need to be on because you sent an email? So tiny tweaks like that can go a long way and really help your team recognize and even say you're an amazing manager that just understands you because people are talking about good managers right now. Yeah. Oh, those are awesome tips though. I love the, the really walking the walk. And if you can't fake it till you make it, cause I've also been in situations where I've had managers who say, you know, if you see me send a message late at night, just ignore it. That's when I'm just getting things done. But you still, even hearing that when you see it come through, you still feel this pressure to, to respond or, or be on. And so I, I love that call out. You're absolutely right. And that one really hits near and dear because part of my burnout story, when I was in some of the intense stages, like the sound of outlook made my body tense up and my mm-hmm. stomach drop. Anytime it went off and yeah. it was a lot and it was just like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? Oh, something's late. Oh, this. And I, it can do more harm than one could imagine. Mm-hmm. And so those things can do so much magic just by little tweaks and yeah, fake it till you make it. You can write your email. Just have it set up for 7 a.m. Yep. <laughs> just send it tomorrow. It's like the whole idea. I jokingly say, do as I say, not as I do. Didn't work for kids and it doesn't work for teams. So can we stop acting like it does? Exactly. And I love that you brought up the Outlook notification because I had a very similar experience. Also not to date myself. I feel like I'm going to sound like I've been in the workplace for a minute, which I have, but I used to at a job years ago, have a Blackberry as a work phone and that little red light, Mm -hmm. that red light to this day cannot have notifications for anything because of the stress of that red light. (laughs) That's real. 
That is really, that is in the camp of workplace trauma that we don't talk about, <laughs> uh, but that is real. And there are so many people that that will resonate with that you'll probably be surprised. Mm-hmm. Everyone has little, little pieces of something with the workplace that, that just carries with them. And we act like we can create such a line between work and home, but in this day and age, there's no lines between anything. No. And so if there isn't a line, how do you create your own boundaries? Yeah. How do you create your own guardrails and put up your fence because yeah. no one's going to do it for you. And I think we should stop acting like it. Exactly. Oh, preach. <laughs> it's true, but still important to talk about. Absolutely. Um, there's so many things that are important to talk about. And the exciting part is like I get excited to talk about burnout because it it is a step one. Like when you start to go through the journey and understand yourself, it makes you get more curious and to ask more questions and to be bold and to feel empowered and to get back to being excited about what you're doing because you are confirmed that you're using your skills for what you want and you're being able to make impact and you're being able to make change uh, and the decisions are yours. And yeah. so- it's an exciting journey to be on. It is complex to unpack, but I'm excited for the work to make it easier for people, managers, and teams to get started and go and understand this muddy world of burnout. Absolutely. And it's so needed. That's why your work is, is so needed and, and so important. So thank you. <laughs> it's my learning journey too, but it's all a matter of like, how do we distill it down and just make it simple and make yeah. it so that you can have the ease of approach of figuring out what is right for you. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Making it super simple. Mm-hmm. So I would love to to come back to earlier, we, we bookmarked preventing burnout. And I would love to come back to that before we, we wrap up today. And I love how you talked about burnout being individual, right? It depends what, what causes it, how we navigate it. Do you have any advice for preventative practices that we can implement so that we can prevent the next cycle or bout of burnout before it happens? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right that burnout is very individual. And even within an individual, different episodes can look differently. So there's the five stages, but one time you might just jump from stage one to stage four. Another time you might progress through all different stages. It depends on the situation, the drivers, the accelerators, and how those symptoms choose to manifest at that point in time. So having an understanding of the whole process can allow you to self-identify, oh, these might be flags. And then having your burnout battle team will help you assess which things are real, which things are tied to something else that you may not have been realizing. So that's a big part is having that understanding of what it can look like overall, and then understanding how does it start to show up for you? Because a lot of us have very common flags and indicators of what might be going on for you. The other part of the cycle, honestly, everyone's at some point in the cycle at all points in life. And so the first stage is just thriving where everything's good. You have good balance and well-being and whatnot. Throughout it, it's similar to the stress curve where we're often waffling between different stages and we're able to do or to leverage our coping mechanisms to help us maintain a somewhat of a healthy balance. And so when it comes to preventing, I like to just bring a picture that just like, wait, it's like, what are we, are we preventing life or are we preventing how things can negatively affect us within life happening. And so when it comes to preventing, having a consistent, positive well-being or wellness schedule, we all know it. Sleeping is foundational. 
So making sure that you are getting your rest is a good way to just have a good foundation. Really focusing and making a concerted effort to build your self-awareness. So a good place to start with that one, I always say, is therapy. I am huge on therapy first. Yes, it is not for everyone. It is definitely not for everyone at all points in time, but it's something I recommend to everyone to try. Everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves to be heard. And so that is a really good way to start to unpack and uncover that's areas of self-awareness that could be good for you to know as a preventative measure. And then also preventatively is always do stuff that brings you joy. Don't forget that. We are not here to just work. And so my favorite thing, I'm all about hooky hobbies, hammocks, and hanging chairs. Like that is my life. Um, <laughs> It's all about like filling in with what makes you smile. And it sounds so simple, but we forget it so often. And I think that's one of the biggest things the pandemic has really shown is like you need to have free time. And I I say, fill your free time with freedom Mm. rather than just more work. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. Um, (laughs) But it sounds so simple. We're not used to it. And for me, I had like, it's a part of this experience. The way I had to figure it out was my therapist put me on timeout. Like she really put me on timeout. I was, I took leave. And in the first week I'm in session, she's like, how's it going? I switched from one laptop to the other. Uh, and she was like, that's not what we're here for. And she was like from 12 to five, at least three days out of the week, you cannot do any work, do something other than work. And so that forced me to figure out what I wanted to do with my free time, because I was so used to just working and filling it with something that was productive or networking or this or that. And so that's how I started getting back into reading, which I was an avid bookworm as a kid. I just, I had gotten away from it. Um, I started having lunch with some girlfriends and that gave me a deeper understanding of friendship and myself getting to museums in the middle of the day. That is amazing. Um, Who does that as an adult? I always miss all the free days at the museum because I'm at work. And so just little things like that. So getting back into things that bring you joy is preventative for burnout. It is. It refills your tank and your brain literally needs those type of things to breathe and to be creative because when you just work, your brain is overwhelmed and it has no space to breathe. So playing hooky helps your brain breathe. Ah, that is so, (laughs) that is so, so good. And something that I think I needed to hear, and I'm sure other people listening needed to hear too, because it can be so tempting to any time we get a second of free space to fill it, Mm -hmm. to fill it or to take more on and remembering that it's okay to fill those things with joy, not obligation is a really, really important reminder. Absolutely. And if you have to trick yourself by scheduling your joy, go for it. I just switched out my lunch breaks and switched them to recess, like a little brain. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. We went and shot basket like shot around at the basketball court today. It was like, oh yeah, it's recess. And it made me like actually take the time because a lunch break is so easy to 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 skip over, or just bring it to your desk. So little things like that, or putting on your calendar your breaks, or putting on your calendar how I don't know, you're gonna go outside and I'm I'm on this for chalk thing for some reason. You will see this <laughs> on my Instagram, I feel like. Like just go play Foursquare. Go it. do something else, like something simple, because we forget those joys and those are the moments that matter. And so those are good ways to get ahead of it. And I mean, they're fun. 
Yeah. Just play, giving ourselves space to play. Yes. Extremely overlooked. I recommend, well, when the world opens up improv class, if you feel like you've forgotten how to play, improv is a great way in. Like the first couple levels are just playing around. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good tip. I love that. And we're on a big uh, learning kick here at Balanced Black Girl. My recent episode that just came out, I was talking about wellness habits. And one of the things was just learning something new, stepping outside of your comfort zone and just being a student, starting at square one for fun, not for mastery. So that's perfect. Yes, that is fun. That is uncomfortable, but (laughs) that is super fun. Um, Just to walk in a class, like I have no idea where to begin. I want to do pottery and glass blowing. Those are on my list. Yeah. I'll keep posting. Those would be, yeah, those would be really fun. I love that. Mine is golfing. So I have a putting green nearby in my neighborhood. And every time I walk by it, it just looks so relaxing. People just out there putting. And so that's my thing that I've committed to learning this summer. So yes, we are supposed to take golfing lessons. So absolutely. I'm not the putting type. I am like, just take me to the driving range and let me just smack the crap out of the ball. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll check in on you in the golf game. Perfect. Yeah. Let's keep, yeah. Keep me accountable. Hold me to it. I will. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So before we wrap up, I have a couple of more rapid fire questions just so that we can get to know you better so that we can talk a little bit more about fun and joy and play. How does that sound? Good. All right. So the first question is what is bringing you joy at the moment? What is bringing me joy? It is sunny and bright and I've been making an effort to go sit on our roof, just like under an umbrella with the breeze and fake like I'm on vacation. So that has been bringing me joy. Beautiful. Simple things. Free things. Yes, exactly. Oh, love that. What's something that made you laugh recently? I love the show Astronomy Club. And oh, haven't seen it. It's hilarious. And every time I think about it, a little thug tear comes out because it's <laughs> renewed and I don't understand it. Oh. Um, it is on Netflix and it is a hilarious sketch show that I highly, highly, highly recommend. If you like Black Lady Sketch Show, uh, mm-hmm. I'd recommend this one as well. So we rewatched a couple episodes. And it's hilarious. They have a whole skit about black don't crack as well as like throwing the shade in like a Bridgerton type of skit. (laughs) Creative and artsy and hilarious. Yeah, I would definitely have to check it out. That sounds hilarious. They're good. I'm like, maybe I might get on a, on a Twitter rant and just try to bring them back. Yeah, it's happened. It's happened before. Possible. We'll see. What is something you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to building the company that is in my vision and yeah. having the impact that I like that I aspire to. I just I just want to help people feel more empowered over their lives and their paths and that they're more in line with what they want to do. And burnout gets in the way and makes things fuzzy and makes you distracted by other things. And so if we can start to sort through that madness then we can start to get back on track and and to feel back to bright as, as cheesy as it sounds like just feel brighter, feel lighter because the world is heavy enough. So if we could get burnout out of the way, we can start tackling some more stuff. Yeah. That's so good though. Mission aligned, mission aligned. Love to see it. 
well, burnout is trash. And so I don't want anyone else to deal with it. So I'm doing Mm -hmm. my part to help us navigate through it. Absolutely. It's needed. So needed. The last question is, how are you finding your balance? How am I finding my balance? I am currently figuring out my balance at this point Mm -hmm. in time as I'm gearing up for what I call a sprint. Mm -hmm. Um, So a big thing for me is taking the breast where I can. And so creating structure and process so that I can be more efficient within the work that I have to do. That's what's on the plate right now. Yeah. What I really appreciate about that is just the acknowledgement that there's different cycles and seasons. Because I also like to work in sprints specifically for this platform is how I work in sprints. It's not just going hard all the time, but those breaths that you take, as you said, before the sprint are major key. <laughs> yeah, this is this has been a, a new part of the learning, I will tell you, yeah. because I've gone through life sprinting and we see how that works. Mm-hmm. And then you see so many people that are still trying to sprint and you're like, uh, you're limping and yeah. no, thank you. So as I'm like going through these seasons of life, I want to do things differently. I want to be prepared. I want to be clear of mind. I want to set new culture or new, new routines and possibilities. And so it starts with me. So I'm figuring it out right now, gearing up for a sprint. I feel good with it. Um, and then we'll figure out the rest from there. Yeah. I appreciate your honesty there. And that reminder, you know, I used to run track when I was younger. And when we think about the sprint events, sprints are a hundred meters, 200 meters. You're not sprinting a mile. You're not sprinting two miles. And we try to sprint marathons for decades at a time. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, If we are going to sprint, it's, you know, we're going hard for that very short distance. And then we're, we're recharging and, and deciding what to do next. And I just appreciate that reminder. I love it. I did shot put. So I wasn't even out. (laughs) I did the shot put and a relay. Oh, track was so long ago. I could learn. I could definitely, uh, I would love to hear your stories. (laughs) (laughs) High school track was a vibe. It was a vibe. (laughs) So, Arena, how can we keep in touch? How can we support your work? How can we learn from you if we want to continue the conversation? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, As you can see, it's a large part of my learning journey. I'm excited uh, for building on the future. I am on Instagram personally. My handle is the Burnout Whisperer. uh, So, pretty straightforward. And then please follow Hooky Wellness. That's H-O-O-K-Y wellness, as well as if you think you might be dealing with burnout um, or if you're trying to support your workplace team, visit hookywellness.com. On there, I have a quick burnout checkup. You could do a quick uh, quiz to assess where you might be, and then you get a free downloadable burnout bingo tool, uh, a quick cheat sheet for those who are new to putting vocabulary to what they're feeling. Uh, And it's a wonderful tool to bring into therapy. It's like, here's how I'm feeling today. Um, so that is on the site as well as workplace teams, working on some really exciting dynamic support, especially for people managers. So if you are like, oh my God, what do I do? How do I help? Uh, you can schedule a consultation at hookywellness.com and I'll be sending updates. And then last but not least, uh, stay in, stay in the loop, third annual hooky day celebration coming in October, October 19th. It is the professional skip day for self-care. So more news to come, but if you follow us on Instagram, you'll be the first to know. 
Amazing. We will link all of that in the show notes so that folks know how to keep in touch with you so that we can mark our calendars now for October 19th. I'm very down for hooky day. Um, thank you so much. I really loved this conversation. Awesome. It's always amazing to talk with you. Thank you for tuning into Balanced Black Girl. If you enjoyed this episode and feel called doing so, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes and more offerings at balanceblackgirl.com.